1: With Discover, limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lakers Tonight with Jason Timpf is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more during the Super Bowl than with FanDuel. And new users can bet $5 to win $280 in cash on either team to win. I love FanDuel because it's easy to use, safe and secure, and you can get winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. It's fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into the same game parlay. If you're new... Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with FanDuel.com slash Jason T so they know I sent you. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus $280. Bonus for Tennessee users fulfilled in site credit within 72 hours. Tennessee site credit expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit Fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, or Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope ny to 467369 in New York. Tennessee Redline one 800 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Hi, welcome to Lakers Tonight, presented by FanDuel here on The Volume. I am Jason Timp. Happy Thursday, everybody. Happy Trade Deadline Day. A lot still up in the air. We are going to react to any Lakers trades that come down as they happen. Uh, we're going to start by talking about this uh, James Harden-Ben Simmons exchange that took place between the Sixers and the Nets. Anything exciting happens, we will Hit it towards the end. I appreciate you guys coming to hang out. Let's get into some basketball. Let's start with this James Harden trade. So, obviously, the uh, the initial reaction is to look at what Philly sent out, right? Because they did end up including Seth Curry, which was something that I advocated for them to do. Because, like I said, this isn't Russell Westbrook. This is James Harden. This is a player of the necessary caliber to justify sending out role players. Now, the instant reaction, as is always the case, especially on NBA Twitter, is for people to overreact to including draft picks. But for those of you who know Daryl Morey, there's really not a GM in the league that cares less about first-round draft picks, especially ones towards the end of the first round, than Daryl Morey. Because historically, statistically speaking, there's just not a great chance of you getting anything of really high quality in the 20s when you're drafting in the first round. And as Daryl Morey knows, it's so easy to pick up draft picks at any point along the way just in one single bad season just by eating a bad contract or something along those lines. So I do not feel like Daryl overpaid. I think he was just making a very simple calculation of odds. If you remember, Daryl Morey in press conferences recently during this whole Ben Simmons saga made it very clear that he would not trade Ben Simmons unless it significantly increased their championship odds. He was very clear about that intention. And so what he's weighing here is a crack at this, a chance this season for things to break right for Philly and to break wrong for other teams, combining the odds of that with future seasons. Cause I think Daryl knew he could get James this summer but he got an extra crack at it this year. And by doing that, he increased his championship odds, which like we said, like he said, that was his goal all along. So I think to him, that's the price of, the, that, the price of that was those two additional first round draft picks. And they're probably not going to miss those that badly as time progresses anyway. The really interesting thing to look at here is James Harden. And his and and the the weird angle that he has added to this whole thing with his attitude, because, you know, like many of you guys, I grew up listening to Colin Cowherd and he used to have this bit that he would do on divorce. And he would talk about how, like, hey, if you get divorced, you know, usually people will sympathize with you because divorce happens. It's normal. People can be in love and they can fall out of love for one of many reasons. Right. But if they got divorced a second time, you'd start to kind of look a little sideways at the person and wonder if maybe something was going on. And then, like, if it was a third divorce, that's when you'd start to look at the guy and be like, hey, maybe this is a you problem, right? And this is now the second time in the last calendar year that James Harden has nuked his way out of a basketball situation because he was unhappy for one reason or another. And it's really strange because... He was clearly unhappy in Houston when he was with Chris Paul. When he legitimately had a real chance to win a championship. If he made any shots in 2018 in that playoff series against the Warriors, he probably wins the title. But then he decides after the next season that it's all Chris Paul's fault because he's coaching him too much or has too big of an ego or whatever the heck his problem was. And so he demands a swap and he gets – Uh, Russell Westbrook instead of CP3 a significantly lesser player then that backfires on him and when that backfires on him he pouts skips training camp is spotted at strip clubs and stuff while all of his teammates are in camp getting ready for the season and he plays some of the worst basketball of his career to nuke his way out to get to Brooklyn and it's funny because you could see why he wanted to go to Brooklyn because that was his best chance to win a title right you know like alongside Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving Limits some of his shortcomings as a playoff initiator, as we've seen in his career. He gets fatigued and and tends to fall apart in those settings. And so you would imagine he'd be happy there. But some normal turmoil that is generally associated with uh, just a normal regular season, especially during COVID, like some guys getting hurt, or a couple guys having to miss some time and you having to do more as a a player than you normally would have to do to just carry the team for a short stretch of the season. Apparently that's too much to ask for James Harden here because he's got Kevin freaking Durant on his team and he had his eyes down in Philly. As soon as things started to go south, he gets the wandering eye. And it's funny because I think that James Harden just cost himself his best chance to win a title as an NBA player. As I said before, the trade does make both teams better. I I really do believe that James Harden as a superstar perimeter initiator makes Philly better. And obviously Ben Simmons makes the Nets better, which we'll get to later. But I do not think Philly, even though they are better now than they were before the trade, I do not think they have a real chance to beat Milwaukee. I do not think they have a real chance to beat Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. Would you pick James Harden in a playoff series like that over one of those guys? Do you? I, I think Milwaukee would beat Philly soundly. So the question becomes, why was Brooklyn still the title favorite on FanDuel before this trade? They were because, just like all of us know from watching that team, they were destroying Milwaukee before Kyrie Irving sprained his ankle without James Harden. I think we can all agree that if that team was healthy, they'd probably win the title. Kevin Durant was literally one inch away on a turnaround jump shot from ending that series in Game 7, even with the hampered James Harden and even with the injured and unavailable Kyrie Irving. So, I think he had his best chance right in front of him in Brooklyn. If he could just weather the storm, if he could just carry the team for a little while until Kevin Durant came back from a knee injury. If he could just carry the team for a little while until maybe a mandate changes and Kyrie's available, or until Joe Harris can come back from his ankle surgery. But for whatever reason, he got the wandering eye. And now I think he's on a Philly team that's better, a legit title contender. They have a chance, but I'm not picking that team over any of these other guys. I don't think they can beat Phoenix or Golden State or Milwaukee or, or, uh, or Brooklyn. It's a long shot to think that they could beat Miami at this point with James Harden at the helm. So it's funny. I think I think his own wandering eye, his own finicky nature, might have actually cost him his best chance to win the title, which is absolutely crazy to me. Um, as far as the Brooklyn angle goes, it's really not all that complicated. Like They need somebody to fill in that spot-up shooter role alongside the stars. That was what they've been missing so badly with Joe Harris out. And Seth is a perfect fit there. I actually think Seth Curry is a significantly better offensive player than Joe Harris. Joe Harris is a bigger, stronger athlete, so he's a little bit, more of a, uh, he's a little bit better of a fit in Brooklyn's switching defensive scheme, and that will be a shortcoming that they'll have to overcome. Obviously, if you have guys like uh, Seth Curry on the floor, they can be targeted in a playoff series, but he does fill in that offensive void in then some that you lost with Joe Harris. But that team has always been about finesse and offense. They've never had that brute force physicality on the roster. Their best brute force physicality has always been just the fact that Kevin Durant is super tall, and when he, had, and when he does try on defense, he can cause some problems. But they have a real rim-pressuring freak athlete player that is a deeply impactful player on the defensive end now, in Ben Simmons. Similar to the James Harden thing, I don't expect his attitude to be an issue now the way it was in Philly. I think both players were acting out. I don't think that acting out is going to continue. I think Ben Simmons will buy in and be a very productive player in Brooklyn. And he fills, like I said, that very specific archetype of that defensive-minded forward that can guard the other team's best player and be a good rim-pressuring player alongside all your shooting. And that's where it gets really exciting because Ben Simmons is one of the best drive-and-kick three-point shot creators that we have in the league. And so giving him transition opportunities with Kevin Durant on the wing, with Kyrie Irving on the wing, with Seth Curry on the wing, if Joe Harris can get healthy with him out there, it's really easy to see a new dynamic to that Brooklyn offense that could be really, really hard to stop. And that defensive end is the part that's most interesting to me. Because in that... Eastern Conference semifinal series against Milwaukee last year, there was a lot of Blake Griffin guarding Giannis. And he did okay, you know, because Blake is savvy and he's big and strong and he moved his feet the best that he could. But towards the end of that series, Milwaukee had that figured out. They were doing a good job of clearing the side on his post-ups and giving him more space to operate, and he was torching Brooklyn in that series. Ben Simmons is a great body to throw at Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's a significant weapon to have in a playoff series. Do we think Brooklyn would have beat Milwaukee if they were healthy last year? Yes. Do we think they would have done it again this year? Most likely. However, that series takes on a new dynamic now because let's say Giannis is just better. Let's say 50-point Game 6 NBA Finals Giannis is closer to what Giannis is going to be in that series than what he actually was last year in that series. If that's the case, that could tip the scales. And so having a guy like Ben Simmons, a legitimate defensive weapon to throw at Giannis, gives you an, uh, just another card in your hand that you might be able to play in that series. I talk about all the time on the show that these playoff series, they're like chess matches. It's always like move, counter move. And you're always working the matchups. And so having a guy like Ben Simmons that you can throw into those specific matchups gives you just an additional versatility and it increases your odds of being able to make that happen. So, you know, the the question that we always ask ourselves after a deal like this is who won the trade. And it's easy to say Philly because they got the best player, right? Like Ben Simmons his stock is at an all-time low because of his disastrous performance and you know, the uh, it, we forget what he's capable of and because we always just have that missed dunk burned into our memory, right? You know, but the truth is, is I look at it as what team has the best chances to win the title. It's hard not to think of Brooklyn as the winner when you factor in the fact that they right now look like the team that is most capable of actually hoisting the trophy, even though they sent away the best player in the trade. So I I, I love the move for both teams, but I think Brooklyn's the winner. I think they have the best chance to win the title. And again, James Harden, it's time to put up or shut up, man. You have forced your way out of situations. You've got yourself into another situation here where there's a lot of pressure on you and you don't have a great history in these moments. So I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if he can uh, live up to that. But let's move on to the Lakers. FanDuel Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. To celebrate, new customers can bet $5 to win $280 in cash on either team to win when you use promo code Jason T when registering. That's right, you'll get your winnings in cold, hard cash because we know cash is always better than free bets. I will be on the Rams. I think their defensive line is going to control the game, and that's usually what wins in the Super Bowl. Don't miss your chance to turn $5 into 280 in cash. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and use promo code Jason T to make every moment more this Super Bowl. Again, promo code Jason T exclusively on FanDuel Sportsbook. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus $280. Bonus for Tennessee users fulfilled in site credit within 72 hours. Tennessee site credit expires 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, or Virginia. 1-877-770-STOP. In Louisiana, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. In Michigan, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For the Lakers, source tells ESPN, this is a tweet from Adrian Morganowski, they'll focus on the buyout market. I think this is an absolutely disastrous outcome for the Lakers. They need significant roster turnover. It's not just about talent anymore. As I've said on the show many times, there is something wrong with this concoction of basketball players. This group doesn't believe in what Frank is asking them to do. And that is most evident in the fact that on any given night, there's roughly a coin flip chance that they'll come out and just mail it in. Just like last night in Portland, you had LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You basically had everybody but Russell Westbrook, and you gave one of your more pitiful efforts of the season. And as I've said, like, but there's a lot of people who tried to turn that into like a, hey, it's not Russ's fault, look, they lost without him. As I've said, you you can't be this bad in the standings without many things going wrong, not just Russell Westbrook. However, that the trade-off that happened in the in the Russell Westbrook trade, losing all of those talented players is part of the reason why we're here. So I always I always tie those things together. Of course, Russ, or at least the Rush trade is part of why the Lakers are so incapable of even going on the road to Portland and beating a deliberately tanking basketball team. But the group, this group of players is not functioning anymore. And so one of my big theories is like if you just swap out like five of them, you can get five completely new personalities in there, completely different basketball character human beings in the room, then you might be able to mix it up and strike, you know, catch fire again. Because it's not always tied to the core. I mean, a lot of, there was a lot of turnover last year. You swapped out Danny Green for Dennis Schroeder. You brought in Montrezl Harrell. You got rid of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. You brought in Marcus Saul. But that group also carried on the chemistry, carried on the commitment, carried on the identity of the previous team. But this latest shakeup of the snow globe did not. And so rolling into the rest of the season with no trades, keeping everything, holding on to assets, is akin to punting the season, in my opinion. Because unless they have intel on some fantastic buyout candidates that are coming around, then it's hard for me to even functionally imagine this team reaching a ceiling that is capable of competing with the real teams in the league. You know, LeBron candidly admitted after the Milwaukee Bucks game that he did not think that the Laker team was even capable of possibly in the future, potentially reaching Milwaukee's level. It was one of the craziest things I've heard from him in his career, essentially admitting defeat in a lot of ways. So to literally two days removed from that, to make no moves, to me reeks of punting. It seems to me like the like I, I, we we all saw reports like they didn't want to trade Westbrook because they wanted to wait till this summer because this summer they could package him with two first round picks and maybe get some star or something like that in return. If that was the ideology, if the ideology was hang on all the assets for this summer, then it's the exact opposite of that thing I was just talking about with Daryl Morey. You need cracks at the table. You need pulls of the slot machine. And when you punt one of them because you're waiting for next year, you significantly hinder your odds because now you're going at it with a 38-year-old LeBron James, who literally just randomly playing basketball a couple weeks ago, his knee inflated with fluid because he's 37. Things are only going to trend further in that direction as LeBron ages. It's going to be harder and harder for him to stay on the court. It's going to be harder and harder for him to maintain that MVP level of play that he's shown for so much of the season. That, that's why I saw this season as such an opportunity. You have LeBron and Anthony Davis right now playing this well. How do you not try, at least take a crack at it? What are you, what are you risking? Yes, you lose the 2027 first. Yes, you lose THT potentially, but you increase your title odds in this season. And you give yourself a realistic chance to win with two of the best players in NBA history at their absolute peak. And then the last angle of this that I find so infuriating is just the Russell Westbrook attitude piece. You know, we after the show ended, the uh, uh, against the Bucks, we because the, there was a delayed. Uh, they didn't get to the press conferences until oh, quite a way, quite a ways after the game. And Russell Westbrook gets out there and just starts talking absolutely reckless. We have this super awkward moment out on the court where he's like petting LeBron and Anthony Davis on the head. And LeBron and Anthony Davis are looking super awkward and uncomfortable with the situation as Russ is like pointing over to Frank and being like, he didn't let me help you guys. And then he's in the press conference talking about how he's earned the right just through his reputation to be in closing lineups. And he talked about how he viewed the booze as a sign of respect. It was a truly bizarre press conference. And why was it bizarre? It's bizarre because you literally have one of the biggest egos in the league going through an identity crisis, going through the NBA's version of a midlife crisis. We had reports the other day that he literally refuses to work out with Phil Handy. That was reported by Kendrick Perkins. This guy is in a phase of denial. And that phase of denial makes him volatile. And you have now signed yourself up to have a volatile, huge ego who is currently in denial around the team the rest of the season. And it's not going to go well. There's no universe where it goes well. Like, because this transition for Russ is going to take time, just like it did for Melo. It could take years for him to finally understand and realize. The kind of changes he has to make in order to remain a productive NBA player. You don't want to be around for those growing pains. That's why Houston sent him home. That's why Houston sent Melo home, I mean. So I, I'm just confused by it. Because like, the, you would think at this point, um, you would need to somehow have a conversation with Russ that convinces him that his role has to be shrunken massively for this team to to perform. We actually heard from Frank Vogel last night after the loss in Portland. Straight up came out and said, like, there are going to be nights where I go with Russ in the closing group, and there are going to be nights where I don't. That's him basically saying, regardless of what Russ said, regardless of any of the antics, I'm going to continue to bench him if he's not playing well in these close, if not playing well enough to earn the right to close these games. And so I, I'm just – I'm confused at the idea of the Lakers willingly signing up to have that around the team, that type of, that type of turmoil around the team. And I, the, the, the weird angle to this now is if they're really going to push forward, if they're really just going to go for it with what they've got and a handful of buyout guys, then you're going to learn a lot about the mental makeup of this team over the course of the next few weeks because it could either spiral – horribly out of control or something will rise up within them where where their competitive nature will take over and some better version of this team will materialize that doesn't just go for Russ that goes for the whole team you know LeBron and AD weren't very good last night but like maybe maybe Russ will acknowledge the realities of the situation and undergo a change but it doesn't seem likely I I just LeBron said in the postgame presser last night that the team was stuck in a fog and they're having a hard time seeing what's on the other end of the fog and them refusing to to go through any sort of roster turnover is the equivalent of signing up for the fog like I said it's like punting the season genuinely confused I was prepared to come in today and talk about new Lakers I was prepared to talk about maybe a Terrence Ross maybe an Eric Gordon someone that would come onto the wing here and make a huge difference because of the short, the talent shortcomings of this roster. And instead, we're playing Golden State on Saturday with the same guys. And it's going to be the same group that's probably going to come out and have the same lackadaisical nature, the same lack of belief in what the coach is asking them to do, and they're probably going to get their butts kicked because Golden State is a really good team who's really well coached, who has an identity that they lean on. And quite frankly, they don't have that same basketball chemistry issue that the lakers have they fit they fit great even when guys are out of the lineup so i'm disappointed uh but it is what it is hopefully they'll hopefully they hopefully they have some intel that we're that we're not aware of anyway that's all i had for today guys thank you so much for coming to hang out like i said uh we will be back for our post game show on saturday immediately after the final buzzer against the warriors as always i appreciate your support and we will see you in a couple of days